Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What's going on, everybody? Hope you are having a wonderful week so far. Podcast time. This week on the podcast, I sat down with Chris A.D., who is one half of Left Wing Cody. He also has a radio show on Kiss FM. However, in the recent year, he has just taken on a role at Spinning Records as A&R of the UK dance sector of the record label. I wanted to get Chris on because I'm really interested in getting industry insight to people that work behind the scenes of the industry. Also, that have the like artist side of it where they're also still full-time artists and can like really give some knowledge on both sides. Um, I really enjoyed this conversation. Chris is a lovely guy. I've known him for a fairly long time. And this is the first time I've like really had like a proper industry talk with him. Um, so yeah, I love this episode. If you aren't subscribed, please subscribe. It means the world to me. Um, if you are listening to this on Spotify, Apple, please subscribe. If you're listening to this on or watching this on YouTube, please hit subscribe on that. Give us some some questions in all of the comments. Um, please send this to your friends. I'm going to stop rambling on. Without further ado, Chris Aidy. Mr. Chris Aidy, what is cooking, man? I'm good, brother. How are you, man? Yeah, really good. Sorry about the technical difficulties. <laughs> yeah, there's some, some on my side as well. So uh, first one of the year. First one of the year, like... Get them all out the way now. Scrub off the cobwebs, <laughs> literally. Um, obviously, this isn't coming out in January. Um, it's yeah. coming out later on in the year. So I don't really want to talk too much about Happy New Year and everything like that because my timing is awful on these podcasts. And That's so good, to, man. I have to bank them up in the background. Yeah, Just absolutely. realize there's like Christmas presents in the background as well. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck's sake, Will. <laughs> uh, how was your time, though? How, how, was, how was Christmas? How was New Year? How was all Amazing, that? man. Everything's really good. Had a really nice kind of relaxing time. There was no shows or anything over the Christmas period. I had managed to get all of my like radio shows shows pre-recorded yeah. and all done and out the way so that was great um and just caught up with some sleep man which was you know when you hit my age it's so important <laughs> dude it's so weird this whole sleep game isn't it it's like yeah i don't know if you'd like listen to any podcasts or anything like that um but yeah. there's like that chris chris nester i think his name is right and he's like this sleep guru and okay it's the most depressing podcast to ever listen because he pretty much just tells you if you don't sleep you're fucked and like yeah. you're gonna die of like alzheimer's really young and you're no gonna, way oh mate it's really scary like what you do what what happens okay. when you don't sleep and like our job is one of the only jobs where we just don't sleep yeah absolutely it's a nighttime game yeah it's weird it's weird how we like put our like i was i was looking at my sleep schedule this this weekend just gone and it's like yeah. oh an hour and a half sleep last night great it's, it's like, crazy man yeah we do put ourselves through it i um last october i did vegas and and texas in the same weekend mm-hmm. and i would hate to see and then flew back like i left london on friday and was back on monday morning yeah I would have hate to have looked at my sleep schedule at that point. Um, I think I saw a hotel room for maximum three hours <laughs> in each place. <laughs> it's great. If you, like, I love it. I don't know. Do you, do you enjoy it? The the traveling and stuff? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I just don't like it when you know, flights get delayed and you end up sitting in Airports. Vegas Airport. Yeah. For 12 hours. <laughs> oh, Vegas Airport is that's rough the, to be there that long. That's not the best one. Yeah, it's not the best one to be. The the, uh, the selections for food and stuff mm. isn't the greatest. I wish every airport was like Heathrow Terminal 5. Yeah, absolutely. It's man. the best. Definitely. Absolutely. We definitely um, <clears throat> broke the ground as far as uh, airports go with Terminal 5. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. I don't know how they did that. I, JFK is get, not JFK. LaGuardia in New York is getting way better. They've upped right. their game a little bit there, but 
Wow, this is sad that we're talking about how good airports uh, are. No, right. <laughs> welcome, welcome to uh, the lives of traveling and eating on the road and, yeah. and not sleeping very much. <laughs> do, you, do you like, do you, do you manage like what you eat or anything like that when you're flying, traveling? Are you like interested? I try to. Yeah. I, I really do. I think it's really important um, just to try and keep as healthy as possible with this traveling stuff. Yeah. Um, I do find it hard though. I don't know if you you feel the same, but there's so many times when I feel like I get myself into the perfect kind of regime at yeah. home when I'm not kind of traveling and stuff. And then you end up going out and just taking the easiest you know, possible meal yeah. that you can because your time constraints just don't allow you to, you know, make a, you make yourself something nice and nutritious. And, um, yeah, a lot of the places that we end up traveling to don't really have facilities Yeah. to keep up, you know, keep up with the, <laughs> with the healthy eating and stuff. It's, it's, uh, yeah. I, but yeah, I, I, it's definitely something I'm very conscious of. Do you train much? Um, I have to start again, but yeah. I did, yeah, I kind of fell off in like October last year. Yeah. Um, the whole training was leading up to the Ibiza season. And then once that <laughs> came and went, <laughs> it was kind of like, okay, cool. And then before you know it, it's December and you're eating the whole way through December. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd started again on 1st of Jan. So, um, nice man. Nice. It's yeah, always I did a good cold feeling. water swimming yesterday morning as well, which was horrendous <laughs> oh, i actually did it as well yesterday wow i plunged yeah. I, I did cold water plunge for literally right. 30 seconds and got the fuck out i was like nah yeah I, I didn't even get a length in on there because <laughs> I, I, I live near um parliament hill so there's an okay. outdoor pool there so i um i took myself into the shallow end and then i think i got up to my chest and then my heart just went not today mate and i had to turn around that's so good but at least it was at least it was 30 seconds and my legs had like the best day they've ever had for really? uh, for months <laughs> you gotta start somewhere you gotta start somewhere absolutely yeah i love absolutely. that absolutely i love that um you do a lot of things so you go left wing cody obviously one part of left wing cody um yeah. kiss fm you have a show on kiss fm yeah. and your A&R at Spinning Records. Yes. How the fuck do you do all of that? Busy. <laughs> uh, time management yeah. is definitely one of the things I've had to learn over the last year. Yeah. Um, you know, I wasn't adverse to the kind of A&R role before, but this is now full-time. Mm. Um, you know, me and John run Lost Records for about 10 years. Yeah. Um, so, but it was on a very, you know, DIY independent basis. Yeah. Um, but now it's this is my nine to five, basically working at spinning. Cool. Um, and so, yeah, I, I mean, everything just kind of gets juggled around that, to be honest. And, you know, the, the Kiss shows, they tend to be pre-records. Yeah. So I, um, I find time to do that in the evenings. Um, and, yeah, just try and do as, uh, as many DJ shows as possible. And the, the guys at, at Spinning are really understanding about that. They, I think they kind of see it as an extension to yeah. the A&R role, you yeah. know, because I'm out there and I'm amongst all the artists and able to have chats uh, with them about, you know, signing new music and stuff like that. So um, it's, as I said, you know, earlier, it, the, the time that I had off was very important for me to catch up on sleep because it has been, like, a crazy 12 months. Yeah. I think, like... In this role, I feel like I've gone out more than I ever did when I was DJing as well, just because I was, you know, <laughs> having just to. so many meetings and yeah. just, you know, sometimes three people are all in the same club, so it's worth just heading down and catching up with all three of them at the same time. And yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely kind of it, the time management is a big thing at the moment for sure. Yeah, man, I can imagine. So for people that are listening that <clears throat> kind of aren't aware of what an A and R role does. Can you yeah. kind of like give us like a, a one-stop shop kind of description of what what an A and R does, especially as as your role of it spinning, and also we get into why you went into spinning and and, and where you got got to that. After. Sure, um, I think the, the easiest way to sum up the A and R role would be as a talent scout. I think okay. that's the kind of easiest layman's terms to put it into. Um, basically finding you know amazing new talent and new records to go out across the many labels that i look after at spinning um there we we get sent you know you can imagine spinning's like one of the biggest dance labels yeah and there's so much stuff comes through through the demo emails and stuff as well so 
we're basically filtering and trying to find the next big artists and and also try and uh, my job at the moment is because I'm UK A&R is to try and get more UK talent onto the label as well um, they, I think they've been very European and um, American yeah. facing over the last kind of few years so uh, yeah that's basically what what my role is and how have you found doing that over the last year because I think I I caught up with you ADE not this year yeah, the year before 22 when yeah. and you yeah. were just taking on the role I was just starting that's um, right yeah you were with Mr. John John Verde. John Verde, <laughs> John, Verde John Verde Matt Guy oh legends trying, trying to keep up with them yeah good luck with that mate I, good luck with anyone keeping up with John <laughs> that was when I started to realise I needed more sleep <laughs> oh I love that guy um, yeah so I guess realistically what I'd like to get into is from being an artist and being very like forward, forward facing as an artist, um, yeah. with, with you guys and and the kind of the transition of going, okay, actually my life, where I'm at in my life right now, I want to kind of transition more into the A and R role, and I think it's like really interesting yeah. because I was thinking about this when I was making my smoothie this morning, how like we all get older in this industry, right, and we all kind of mm. have different responsibilities and things like that, and. Absolutely. Things change in life generally. And and we yep. we see artists turn into agents, turn into managers, turn into A and Rs, mm-hmm. turn into other things. And I kind of would like really like to dig into like just so people can understand that they don't just have to be an artist in this industry. Sure. And I think yeah. it's really important that there's so much so there's so many opportunities in the music industry to take you into the industry and you don't have to be the artist. Um, so I kind of want to get into into why the transition, really. Yeah. So it was around early 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd started to realize that there wasn't enough kind of shows coming in, live yeah. shows, which is what our bread and butter was. Yeah. You know, um, there, there just wasn't enough of those coming in to be able to sustain, you know, the kids, yeah. Me and John both got families, um, and uh, yeah, it was kind of like a little bit of a wake up time. As I need to find something else yeah. to do, but I, I wanted to do some. I wanted to stay in the industry that I'd been involved in with you know fifteen plus years. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just got in contact with someone that I knew um, at uh, Musical Freedom, who we were signed to. I just completely just hit him up out of the blue saying, look, mate, I'm trying to future-proof myself a little bit. Do you know of any kind of jobs that are going in the industry? Um, I mean, I was willing to do, you know, anything. I think running like a label, I'd learned how to do promo and DJ mail out and all that kind of, all the stuff that goes around having a a label and doing a DIY. I felt like I had some skills that I could maybe add in the background as not, you know, not being, as you said, the forefront or the artist. Yeah. and he wrote me up straight away and he was like, <clears throat> is this for you or for someone else? And I was like, well, it's for me, really. And he was like, well, I'll let you in into a secret. I'm actually leaving, so I think you might be the perfect replacement. Oh, really? And it was just something like that. Just, I mean, I'd only ever spoken to Peter about the Left Wing Cody project and he was our A&R at Musical Freedom and I'd only ever sent him music. It was the first time I'd ever really spoken to him about anything else outside of that. Yeah. But the fact he rang me up straight away and he's like, I'm leaving and you'd be my perfect replacement. I was pretty like, oh, lucky in a way, That's but sick. also, you know, yeah, in it just being a part of the industry and just having so many contacts and stuff like that, I think it really helped. Um, me being pushed forward for the job he said look i can't guarantee you anything i'll put you forward for it yeah um and then i'll let you kind of go through the interview process and everything and i did um do all of that and i got down to the last two originally and then didn't get the job um and that was back in july 22 yeah Uh, and then september 22 i got an email saying are you still available and i thought it was like an old email that got stuck in someone's outbox yeah and just hit them back and said, um, is this, are you still talking about the, the NR job? And they said, yeah, yeah, if you're still available, we'd like to talk to you. And I was like, okay, cool. So <laughs> had another interview and they offered me the job. Were you then. looking elsewhere so, at the time? 
No, 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 really. I kind of yeah. put all my eggs in this basket with yeah. like getting to this point, and I was like, okay. And it, to be honest, it knocked me a little bit. It's a little bit of a confidence thing. Um, I was like, right, okay. So I just started to look for any kind of admin job or anything that I could do. Yeah. Um, that wasn't necessarily within the music industry. You know, I just yeah, it was uh, one of those things that. You know what it's like, rejection, you have to get a thick skin in this industry, whether yeah. or not you're sending demos or whatever, you know. Um, but, yeah, I was I was really chuffed that they came back. And I originally started just as part-time. Yeah. Um, and that was in November la, 22, I started. Okay. And then in February of 23, they offered it to me full-time. Amazing. So I was like, yeah, definitely I'll do that. I'm, I was really happy with the role and... Um, it's 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 one of those things where I get up. I still to this day get up every morning. and I can't wait to get to work. Yeah, you know, and that's something that I've just always had in my head because before the music kind of really took off and it became a uh, a career, I just hated getting up and yeah. going to work and doing dead end jobs for no reason. And I always had it in my head. You know, these jobs are just for. Uh, a means to an end yeah, you know yeah. eventually i will make it in the music industry at some point and um yeah i just never ever wanted to wake up and feel like what am i doing yeah um and it, this has been an incredible experience so far and i've um yeah I've, as i said I've, I've enjoyed with the position and yeah long mate continue that's dope man that's 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 really interesting and talking about rejection now you're the person rejecting everybody <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh, God. I still have to kind of toy with that in my head a little bit every every now and then when I'm writing an email back and I'm going, oh, geez. Just just don't give up. I always end with, you know, please send me more when, yeah. as and when they're finished. So um, I think, know, I think not everything's going to be right, you know? No, and I think it's the, it's the biggest lesson that I learned. I don't know about you guys when you started out as Left Wing Cody, um, mm. but it's like the biggest thing that I learned is that you're going to hear way more no's than you do yeses. And I, Absolutely. I don't know if there's anything else in life that you kind of really, that really sets you up for that. Um, I think, I, I guess, going, to, going and applying for jobs is like mm. kind of like a non-musician, a, a music industry person. I guess yeah. that is the only thing, but I never really experienced that just because I didn't really ever do any normal jobs. Sure. Um, but it's like, I think it is the the biggest lesson for me is learn to learn to take rejection. Absolutely, man. I think thick skin is is imperative. And uh, one thing that I had to learn very quickly and very early on is that it's not personal. Yeah. You know, none of it's personal. No one is judging you or your character or anything like that. It is just a case of there is a business model or there is a sound that this label does yeah and you just don't fit it right now yeah. you know just, we we had so many records rejected by labels that we wanted to go on so badly and eventually we just we hit the right record because we just kept sending it over and over and over again we would send demos send new stuff and eventually we we got there you know yeah um so not taking things personally i think is is key um and it can be hard man you know especially with you've created something that is a part of you and you're putting it out there almost to be judged, you know, and it's like when you don't get the reaction that you're expecting, it's a bit of a bit of pill to swallow. But, um, yeah, I mean, that would be the, the one bit of advice I would, I would say is it's not personal. Don't take it on board and just keep knocking on the doors. You know, that's mm. it's persistence is key and just making sure that you, you know, you have the, the quality as well. Yeah. But you know, at some point it, it'll pay off. Yeah, I agree. I think also timing's really interesting. I don't know if you mm -hmm. like, <clears throat> and it's purely timing on who's listening and where they're listening and environment of what they're listening. I don't know oh, about yeah. don't know about you, but like, I've had demos sent to me and I'm like, oh yeah, it's not that great, and then mm -hmm. heard it in a different environment mm -hmm. and been like, what's that record? And they're like, oh, or I or had it to me where like I remember like my old Dirty Bird days. I played, I sent yeah. a record to Barkley. <clears throat> Um, he was like, no, I don't like it. Played it, and he was there, and he was like, what is this record? Send it what to me. I'm like, mate, I sent this to you a year ago, and you turned it down. 
<laughs> yes, what? that has definitely happened what? before. <laughs> what is your like as an A and R? What is your like listening listening process? Because that that actually like it's kind of like sparked something in my head. Is like how are you listening to them? Because we're we're we're. Like I have a record label, you have a record label. Also, you have your working as an A and R. But like, yeah, a lot of the time, I'm listening to demos, and it's literally like you're listening in your studio or you're listening on your headphones on the mm-hmm. go, and you're you're not really getting the concept concept of what this record's written sure. for, if that makes sense. How we for, yeah, like the club like the club kind of thing. Yeah. Right? So yeah. like, yeah, yeah, how yeah. are you kind of doing that? It definitely has to sound like something I've never heard before. Mm. As soon as I hear that part of a song, um, I know I'm on something. Because if it will work in headphones, then it will definitely work on a bigger system. Yeah. Um, and also, I, you know, having... As far as demos go, something that I always believed in was making sure that you get your point across very quickly because with a demo or sending stuff to labels, you know, A&Rs only have a certain amount of time in a day to get through stuff. So if you can get your idea across in like a minute, 32 minutes, then that's what an A&R is listening for. Mm. And if you can get that point, then, you know, me personally and, and the team that I work with will then go back to the artist and go, this idea sounds great let's you know embellish it a little bit more don't worry about doing intros and outros and stuff like that when you're creating demos just get your point across just just get the 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 real kind of meat and bones of the track to us so that we can hear exactly what this record's all about that's Um, actually really interesting yeah because everything else around it just you know intros and outros that's that's for DJs, and that's cool. You know, you're not going to be able to tell the story yeah. of your of your music through those points um, of of a track. So it's spinning. You guys literally, and this isn't me sounding derogatory or anything like that or <coughs> condescending, but are you guys literally, you want to hear almost the Spotify edit, the like the initial, absolutely, like no, yep. this isn't for a DJ. This is purely for Spotify concept yep. or streaming. We normally will just listen to. Um, We'll we'll get the demos that come in, will be of like less than three minutes, and then wow. we'll go back and say, okay, let's get an extended done. Wow. Um, if we if we're going to sign the record, yeah. Um, and uh, you know, there's a lot of back and forth and stuff as far as the the meat of the track goes. Because if you hear something and there's still tweaks yeah. that you need to do and stuff, we'll do that with the artists as well. But um, yeah, I mean, it is you know, it's it's a. Uh, that is the most important part of any record. And I think, like, you know, even me and John, when we're making music now as well, I think something that we always had done previously was, you know, make sure we get the the, the drop right. Mm. And then, and then like, 30 seconds of a break and then the drop. And once you know that that works, everything else just gets built around that. Yeah. And I think, you know, carry that ethos around, uh, <clears throat> carry that ethos into listening to, to demos now yeah. as well. Um because yeah, it's it's important just to get those those parts of the track right. When you're talking about like songs and stuff, that's totally different. I'm talking about club records, but you know, obviously, you want to hear a song structure, so you're listening to at least a verse and a chorus. Yeah, I, I um, guess when when did that change for you though? Because or did it was it always like that? Because I guess for me is like before the streaming kind of period happened we all listened to like the first a minute and a half of fucking mix mix in intro and outro like did that was that something that spinning when you went into spinning they were like this is how we do it or is that just this like something that you learn in your own kind of way? I, for me it was just something that i was just doing anyway okay, because just just the amount of time and stuff I mean, go back to vinyl days. Yeah, <laughs> I remember I had this uh, this question on a panel I sat on it recently, and you know, back when we were buying records, you'd get a stack of like twenty records, and yeah. then there's four turntables in the in the record shop, and a queue of people. So the guys behind the desk are like, "Come on, you got to get through these." So yeah. you're literally just doing that, and then as soon as you hear something, you're going, "Okay, that sounds good," and then you go and, and you take that one. It's kind of that similar vibe for me when i listen to 
to demos and stuff now as well. It's just hooked me straight away. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's uh, uh, we were talking about vinyl, so it's way before the kind of Spotify era, era. But that that definitely has changed the game a little bit, Spotify for sure. I mean, I just noticed even as a DJ doing a radio show for like uh, in 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 four years, I've noticed the the length of tracks, how drastically they've changed. Yeah. When you know. I'm getting an extended mix and it's three minutes fourteen. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, going back to going back to the like the PRs and going, can I get uh, an extended? And they're like, that is an extended. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. <laughs> um, it's yeah, interesting so that as well. I think because for me, it's like on on all we have is now my label. Like I'm signing younger artists that like yeah. haven't been in it for that long. And it, I'm finding exactly the same thing is they're sending me like club versions that are like four minutes. And yeah. I'm like, I, I can't, I, I have to kind of hold back and like not question sure. it because it's, it's them. It's them being artists and them doing what they, yeah. they, they want to do. And it, I think that's the beautiful thing, but it's also like, I need to take the old man out of me and go, well, this doesn't yeah. feel right. <laughs> Trust me. I've, I've had to do that so many occasions. Just like, come on. Just don't show your age. Yeah, literally. <laughs> We're not even that old. Which That's is, the crazy thing. Which is kind of hard, you know, with the old grey beard and stuff. True, true. <laughs> yeah, it's... But yeah, yeah. But, but it's also, I think, just the next generation, isn't it? It's the attention spans and and how they, you know, consume yeah, I, I think, music. Yeah, I think also for me, even, even when, like when I write for somebody else or I'm like giving feedback for somebody else as well, it's almost mm -hmm. realistically now it's like it, I've changed how I write music. And I always okay. like, I always wrote the, like the breakdown and then the drop and then filled it out. But for me, yeah. it's like, how do we write the most interesting three and a half minute record? Mm -hmm. or three minute record and even can we make that even shorter because like yeah. i know i can go and make an extended version for djs i'm not worried about that side of it but again yeah. i even when now when i'm writing music or when i'm engineering for somebody or producing for somebody in the studio i'm like how can we make that two and a half three three and a half minute record so interesting and like yeah so that there's ear candy in every section so that the algorithm's going to keep people mm -hmm. listening people are going to keep mm -hmm. listening oh is there it's but the thing is and i'd like to get your concept your your thoughts on this is that when commerce takes over art um potentially i think the art still needs to be there um that's always going to shine through i think you know i'm always very conscious of the music that I'm signing is about the artistry and the concept yeah. than about an algorithm. I think once, if we, if we start to be a slave to the algorithm that much, then everyone's in trouble. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, it's the music business as well. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's a business and the consumers are now, consuming music in a way different way they were 20 years ago yeah um and you have to basically just give the people what they want yeah. almost you know because it's they're the ones that are demanding it so if if the the data shows that you know people are only listening to music for two minutes then you know make a two minute record that fits yeah. with that kind of listening pattern um otherwise where where does the audience come from you know they're just gonna stop listening because it's not of that certain amount of time it's so it's, it's such a transitioning part of the music industry at the moment just seeing how different artists that are developing and and really hitting the ground running like for example kenya grace um, who just had this amazing track and basically built her her own audience off of, um, I believe it was TikTok that she came from. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that was such a huge, huge record. 
Which one were we talking about? Strangers. Strangers. Yeah. yeah that no one really expected, you know. Mm. And um, it was created by her and her audience. That hype just ran with itself because there was a hunger, there was a desire from it, from the audience. You yeah. Know? Um, and yeah, it's it, it. Fan bases have always been a major part of. Mm being an artist right but now i think there's so much more room for people to create their own fan bases outside of the traditional ways um that can really kind of accelerate a career um but again the music still has to be right and it's you know it still has to be creative which i think kenya stuff is i think i think that's a really interesting concept and it goes on to without being disrespectful to record labels. I know you work mm -hmm. with a record label and have a record label, yeah. and so do I, and I work with record labels as well. But in this day and age, maybe not necessarily for just our for our age group, because I think we come from a different time of where we don't rely on record labels, but record labels were like a big part of our industry. Sure. But I yeah, think yeah. the new newer generation, is a record label even needed? Mm -hmm. I would. I mean, before I started for working for a record label, um, I mean, definitely a question that I would have had even like two or three years ago. What is the point of having a someone take your art and then you know make money out of it? I think what it comes down to a lot is the infrastructure. Yeah. Um, these are still you know labels still have an amazing infrastructure as far as distribution goes and contacts mm. and and things that you might not necessarily be able to do on your own and also you know just years of insight yeah the the, the people that i've been working with over the last year are just incredible minds that have been involved in music in some way shape or form some for 20 years some for 10 years some for like three but yeah. are all having like we're all having these moments where the collaboration on ideas and stuff like that really then leads to something else, which in turn helps the artists that's signing to the label. Yeah. So it's it's having also that kind of like intelligence within uh, within a record label and stuff like that. Might not be the same across all all labels. Mm. That's just from from a spinning perspective. That's the way I see like the the benefits of of having a label is is having those type of people work there and also infrastructure and contacts um yeah just it, it, it they, they, i think there's still a good uh good value with being with a with a with a strong record label for sure yeah i i agree and there's also what i want to what's your thoughts on like independent labels because obviously i like with if we're talking like spinning amada warner mm -hmm. ffrr they're all like kind of major although some of them yeah. are independents but like they're, they're major record labels at the end of the day sure but, well, i guess what's your thoughts on independent record labels as of like the dj's record label obviously you get the the association with the dj right that yeah. we all kind of that's what we needed at the beginning of our careers right and it still yeah. is what a lot of people need mm -hmm. um but when it comes to Let's say, for instance, I'm just using Kenya Grace, for example, okay, because it's just yeah. an easy, easy thing. Um, if she has a, a huge audience already, or if that artist has a huge audience already, like, mm -hmm. does that go, does, I feel like that really helps with your negotiations as an artist, because 100%. I think the value of your audience is what the label actually wants to buy, that they, they need that. Yeah, in a certain way, I would agree. Yeah, um, it's definitely like a generational thing as well. Yeah, if this hot new act that is engaging with you know the next generation of uh, listeners, yeah. then yeah, that that definitely gets taken into account for sure. I'm, I'm not quite sure on the whole kind of data side of things, but I'm pretty positive that there'll be some numbers crunched with regards to how many uh, followers or you know what kind of a fan base size this artist has and then the um negotiation on advance and all that kind of stuff will probably that will have an impact on how much you know 
an offer is made and, and stuff like that. Yeah, because I think obviously the, the 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 thing that's happening that we've all kind of hear everyone moan about over the years is just the absolute awful record deals that majors offer, right? <laughs> <laughs> and 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 I think I I'm really actually interested in seeing what happens over the next few years. Like I've recently done a deal and yep. like it I didn't really understand the accounting side of things behind mm-hmm. it, which is what made the, some some deals really bad, if you know what I mean. They need to recoup, obviously. Sure. Um, yeah. But there's also some really terrible deals out there from a lot of record labels. And I'm, I'm really yeah. interested to see if that actually changes with these new acts coming through with huge audiences that, that can actually go yeah. and demand, like, actually, you know what? Like, I don't need... I Like... I, I'm bringing a level of value that you can't even give anyone. So yeah. here's how we work together. We both want to win. Let's do a 50-50 yeah. deal. Let's do something like Absolutely. that. I'm really yeah. interested to see, is that something that that you guys look at as well at spinning or is that something that just at this moment in time you just, you're, that you still can't? I, th- I think it's definitely the way that we are trying to operate now is more about longer term stuff yeah um the the feedback that we've been getting from dsps radio and stuff like that is that they want to see uh like a commitment to an artist yeah they also want to see the artist commit to the label as well because then together jointly you tell a story yeah um and it's about having something really fun and exciting that the DSPs, you know, will then engage in because they bring the the artist is bringing a fan base, you know, and listeners to to their DSPs and stuff. So it's important that they do that kind of thing. Um, I feel like um, having those negotiations and stuff with regards to fan base sizes is definitely happening at a major level. Yeah. It's not something that we're doing at Spinning. Um, I think, you know, I, I've been involved in those major deals previously. Yeah. Um, I won't mention which label it was, but <laughs> we had like a 10% breakage fee in our in our contract, which is like archaic because there was no physical yeah. copies of anything that we were doing. So they were just taking 10% in case any of the vinyl or CDs or tapes that didn't exist broke in transit. Um so it'd be interesting to see if those uh, the the major kind of labels do start to uh, take those kind of things out and and get up to speed with you know remunerating is that the right word artists for what they're actually bringing to the table. Um, but uh, yeah, long term deals I think is is definitely the the way forward. Um, we're guilty of that as a left wing Cody project of still spreading ourselves across a lot of many other labels. Yeah. Um, but I think that, uh, for the future getting commitment from DSPs and, and radio, it's being able to show like longevity and, and long-term commitment. And, you know, not necessarily, I'm not talking about five, six years I'm talking about, you know, 18 months to two years. Yeah. You know, because everything moves so fast in the music industry these days. I don't think anyone's willing to commit five or six years of their career anymore just to one place. Because so much can change. Some, so much can absolutely. change in that time. It's, it's so quick now. Yeah. The, you know, the music industry, the, uh, one example of that would be like, you know, what I noticed at spinning was up until maybe March or April last year, a lot of the demos we were getting sounded like Fred again. And then Calvin releases the track um, with, uh, oh, I forgot her name. Eliza Rose or Ellie Golden? No, Ellie Golden. Yeah. And within a week, the demos <laughs> that we were receiving had changed from Fred again <laughs> to, you know. Oh. Calvin Harris this, copies. This this goes back to this this goes back to what I was saying about commerce over art. And yeah. and I'm a massive like 
consumer of Rick Rubin content, which is okay. Is is kind of a bit silly, if I'm honest, because he's so guru. It's ridiculous. Yeah, um, I think he's. You think he speaks a lot of sense, though. He speaks so much sense, and yeah, it it kind of makes me sad. Also, I was I was having a conversation with a friend this weekend about the mu- music that's being released, and I don't want to kind of sound like a miserable old man and kind <laughs> no, of do it <laughs> but for me it's like it 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 is that and it's playing everything feels like not everything and and i don't want to generalize because there's some really fucking great art out there but it, yeah. especially in our field it feels like mm-hmm. everything's being played very safe purely to purely to be sold not to like mm. push the boundaries and i think I think it's like with like let's say for instance with Fred what what they, yeah. what he did with his Fred again project and mm-hmm. I really respect what he did because he pushed the boundaries. Yeah. But the thing is is when you're in a position of where Fred again was starting his career as an artist for, for a project when you have a team that big behind you mm. you can mm. do that right you can really yeah. do whatever the hell you want and i'm not taking anything away i fully respect what he's done and i think he's been the best yeah. thing that's happened to dance music in a very long time sure it's fresh and exciting right super but then i think what happens is there's younger artists that want that success that just then try mm. and copy that art and realistically mm that doesn't create longevity that creates great hits it creates really fast hits but i don't know Mm -hmm. if that actually creates true art and true artist what's your thoughts on that i feel like the um in some ways with especially like at a lower level um the pioneers always seem to the, the ones that try and really break the new grounds always seem to fall to the wayside yeah um and then it's everyone else that kind of sees that trend or that some kind of different vibe that take it and run with it and then they then end up being successful i mean there's so many examples of that kind of over the years i mean one that just jumps to mind was that domino record by oxia was originally done by a french guy i believe um which was it sounded like you know almost identical record But he heard something and then was, oh, I don't know whether he had a bigger platform or what at the time, but his one seemed to go a lot further. Um, having, like, longevity is definitely uh, uh, something that's key and understanding the way that a career works. It, it, no one no one understands that, right? We didn't start knowing no. where we would be right now, right? So it's all kind of like trying to fumble your way through and 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 get to to where you think you want to be um and no one ever really has like anything mapped out for them mm-hmm. i think what you're saying is right with regards to fred having the position that he was in and the team around him obviously helped but i still believe in like in artistry shining through 100 um I really still believe that if you are able to bring something different, yeah, everyone's going to have their own influences. No one's ever bringing anything brand new to the table. I mean, I think I used um, the Calvin Harris record, for example. Yeah. He even came out and said he was influenced by Shaq yeah. to create that record, right? So, I mean, and there was, there was Shaq that had done something completely different to what anyone else was doing at the time yeah and he broke down that door yeah you know with regards to this style or this sound coming back into the limelight and you know he but what people don't see behind the scenes is that Shaq has been doing stuff for you know five ten plus years yeah yeah and it took that one hit for you know for him to then break through if you know what I mean yeah um but it, that came down to his artistry, you know, and his, his him doing something different and not being like the cookie cutter. This sound, you know, is 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 popping at the moment, so let me jump on it. As you said, that creates fast hits, but does it really create longevity? Yeah, and I think I I, I don't disagree with you at all. I, I completely agree. I guess that's something else that I want to get into is fast hits. 
that I've, I, yeah. I don't know if you guys have noticed it, but for me, I remember back when I first, when I was first living in Ibiza, so 2008, mm-hmm. like from 2008 to 2015, maybe, was when we all had, there was like a summer hit. Like there was one yeah. record that every DJ played, right? Yeah. Um, I think the for me the last one was like Camel Fat Cola, where like yeah okay yeah I feel yeah, like yeah. that was like a time when everyone was playing that record from like techno DJs, house DJs to like mm-hmm. the very commercial DJs, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Radio, Spotify, every, it was yeah. everywhere. Whereas mm-hmm. now it feels like records of way more like hits are way more niche. And they don't last as long for me, yeah. in, in my eyes. And I could be wrong. I'd, I want to be proved wrong because I actually wish there was big hits again. But, like, what's mm-hmm. your thoughts on that? And, and do, you, do you think there's a reason why? Or do you think it's just the, the way we are nowadays? I, I can't put my finger on it, but I definitely would agree with you. There was a way of, like, a record breaking in... in our industry for sure there was always like that primer push for miami and trying to get everybody's ears around something at miami and then if something kind of a few tracks tick the box in miami then you would know they would go on to potentially doing something in ibiza yeah and then you'd always have that one breakthrough hit like um as you mentioned camel fat you know or um man with the red face like, I remember yeah. when that, like, just so, the washing machine, like, all these records that just, like... Yeah, the Tiger stuff, and, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, someone, something that you would always come back from Ibiza with, and it would just never, you know, go yeah. away. But I just... It's interesting that we're both in the industry and neither of us can put our finger on one of those tracks over the last five years, which is, I believe, what Cola is now, right? Five yeah, years old. Has it two years... From COVID, okay, so anyway, but yeah, I don't know. Is Maybe that's just not the what people are trying to do as artists anymore. You know, well, I, I guess, like, my theory behind it is it kind of goes back to what we were saying, that it's not necessarily... Because fan bases have changed, because it's all mm. gone on to social media, TikTok, or, like, those specific social like platforms i feel like hits are very individual so Mm -hmm. like let's say for instance like a john summit right like yeah when in when you guys are playing in your sets obviously i'm just just spitballing i can't imagine Mm -hmm. you guys playing a john summit record right Okay. And I can't mm-hmm. imagine a lot of people playing a John Summit record. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way to John, but they work for John. Sure. Yeah. Like Fisher. A lot of people don't play Fisher's records that are like big, bigger DJs, touring DJs. Fish plays them. Yeah. A lot of people yeah. don't play my records, but I play them. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. think, I think what's happened now is that DJs are now more self-promotion tools for their own music. Absolutely. And, That's a great point. And and I think for me, like ninety eight percent of my sets are my own music. And yeah. and I think is that a part where like everyone has their own niche audience where their their mm-hmm. record can be a hit in their own niche audience. Yeah. But then it doesn't necessarily have to be like the big doesn't thing. Like transpire yeah. to Yeah. <clears throat> yeah um and this is something that I only realized kind of recently that I had a bit of an epiphany when I went to go and see a live show in London um, last year. And as I said earlier in the podcast, you know, I've been out way more than I ever had been yeah. while I was DJing because I was always doing shows, right? So I was only at the shows that I was playing at. Whereas now I've had so much more time to be able to go in and see other artists play and stuff. And I'd, I'd had this epiphany that that particular DJ was only playing his music for maybe two or three records yeah. in the space of 90 minutes. And the audience were going crazy mm. because they were there to see yeah. that artist. So it's almost like it became, it's become a concert now, yeah. right? Where people are your fans 
they want to come and see you play the music that you make that they really like. Yeah. The the traditional form of a DJ show isn't necessarily what DJing is anymore. Yeah. It's not about introducing or, or or collecting records and having specific things that you would go out and share with other people. DJ and, and artists are now like kind of one and the same thing mm. where you are basically giving the people that have parted with their hard-earned cash exactly what they want, yeah. which is to be entertained by the music that you create. And I, 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 as I said, it was only a recent epiphany that I, that I had. And I started to think about the shows that I do as, a, as an artist yeah. and, that, that, and think about my sets and be like, well, <laughs> there's about five or six Left and Cody tracks in there. Three of them might be new ones that were tried, and then three might be tried and tested. But the rest of it is all other people, you know, other people's music. Am I really missing a trick here yeah. that I should be, you know, maybe doing, maybe giving people more Left and Cody stuff because um, that seems to me how you know you keep your your audience happy, right? As I said, it's not it's the we know that you know buying tickets to clubs and everything, especially in the UK, is not cheap these days. So yeah. you know you need to be giving people exactly what they want. No, I I agree. I I also think it's it's a different. It's just a different time. Like I yeah. and I learned that I used to be um, me and MK used to tour quite a lot because we used to be under the same management um, mm -hmm. back in 2018, and it's the one thing that I learned from that management at that time is especially like touring with with mark so often is like yeah he'd play all of his own music but then i'd like go and see other djs play and no one would be playing mk records apart from like the classics right but they wouldn't yeah. be playing 17 they wouldn't be playing like all sure. the like big radio hits yet mm. he opens with like one of his biggest records yeah and i'm like oh wow this is really interesting and the management at the time turned around and said to me was, imagine going to see Rolling Stones and they didn't play any of their hits. And I'm so like, true. it's fucking so true. But yeah. I think the, the thing that changed for me then was like, we're not actually DJs now. Exactly. We're not. It's, it's, it's understanding that transition yeah. and how it's more about how the audience has made that kind of happen yeah. rather than us consciously making that decision of I'm only going to go out yeah. there and play my own records you know it's it's what the audience demands and that's what we need to give them yeah um, man. that's I think that's what it really comes down to for sure it's, it's really interesting to see how the industry has just like evolved in such a short amount of time um yeah. purely based on I, I truly believe it's just purely based on streaming and and social media absolutely of course yeah that is a massive conversation. Because you start you started Left Wing Cody before social it was Facebook, right? I mean, we started even before it was essential to have a Facebook page. Yeah. I mean, that's you know we just wanted to get signed to specific labels that we like really liked yeah. and admired and thought that our music would fit best with them. And it was never it was it was because we were playing music from those labels. That's yeah. why we wanted to be on them. And uh, there was no, like, trying to, you know, get bookings off the back of being on a record label or anything. It was just, I mean, you could make money still back then from just releasing yeah. music, which is another <laughs> thing that's changed massively, you know, where the touring becomes the main source of income. Yeah. So, you know, the records always became your shop window, right? It's like, this is what you could potentially hear when you come in. I think that's also... Life, so. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's also really interesting with a lot of what the majors and big independents like spinning yourselves are doing. I'm yeah. not too sure how, how spinning works specifically, but like a lot of record labels now are actually like spending money for records and like mm. giving advances and things like that. And mm -hmm. although yes, the advances aren't necessarily as much as we do like, and the deals aren't necessarily as good as we would like, but I think there's yeah. a level of like, having an advance for your record for anybody that's listening that doesn't know what an advance means is pretty much a loan from the record yeah. label they give you an upfront 
bit of cash and then they recoup that cash. Yes, the, if you go and Google like record label calculator, um, record label um, <laughs> deal calculator, you'll see how much they're fucking you over. But um, <laughs> but make sure you get the breakage uh, bit out of your contract. Literally, as well, yeah, it's no longer required. <laughs> but but I think it's actually a really interesting concept because I remember I remember when I was starting, nobody was getting paid for deals unless you were signing like a, a major album deal. Um, yeah, no one was doing single single deals with majors. Nobody was doing kind of that. Unless you were massive, unless you were like the legends of of the mm. of the time, you weren't really getting that. Yeah. And I think now, with the likes of having a big platform, you are getting those deals. Like we all know how, like there's you see it and I see it behind mm. the scenes of the industry. We all know how like certain records get bidded by multiple record labels and just get obscene oh, yeah. amounts of money spent at them. And you know yeah. what? Like, I think it's fucking great because I think the artist is winning. Like, if an artist can yeah, get sure. fifty to a hundred grand for one single, <laughs> yeah. like, I'm all for yeah. it. Absolutely, I'm all Absolutely. for it. And I'm, that is me with my artist hat on as well, not me one the, the, <laughs> the, with the A and R hat on, trying to get the lowest amount of <laughs> fucking us over. Literally, the lowest, the, <laughs> the lowest uh, advance possible and the and the greatest royalty rate. But yeah, no, I, I agree, man. I th- I think I feel like I I sit in a very um, different position to anyone else, like kind of within the team because. I'm also coming from an artist's point of view, and sometimes I try and I like to put that point across. Sometimes and be like, look, you know, you, the way that we discuss and talk about artists, you know, we need to be um, well, like just positive about yeah. you know having people involved and and stuff. And sometimes I feel like um, the business side can take over. Yeah, in in I think in all industries and in the artistry kind of gets gets left behind. But it's it's a case of you know trying to always be positive about how the the artist is in, integral to all of this keeping going. You know, if people stop making music, then it's done. <laughs> no, I totally agree, and I, I think for me, on kind of counter to that is also what I'm trying to do is build is to kind of talk about the relationships between record labels and artists now. And actually like for years and years and years, everyone's always been screwed over by, by record labels. And mm. it, and there's mm. always been this disconnect between artists and record labels. And I, I truly yeah. think is if we can bridge that gap and allow Absolutely. artists and record labels to kind of think kind of on the same wavelength of each other, people mm. win double fold and everyone wins yeah. in a better concept. Like the record labels have a better business. Artists mm-hmm. have better records that, or have their records do better work because yeah. I think it's also coming from an artist and I'm sure you can kind of vouch for this as well. It's very easy to like go into a record label deal with a label and automatically have that like, they're gonna fuck me over kind of concept mm. and like yeah 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 and almost sure. have we're that. not winning when we come out of this when we come out of this meeting exactly <laughs> and, and and i i recently did a deal with amada um yeah. and i have to like step back with my management and go actually like they're asking for this let's 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 actually like no let's let's roll with this if you know what i mean let's actually like mm okay, yeah, this wasn't in the deal and they're asking for something more. But you know mm. what? Like, th- for me, the relationship is way more than a bit of cash because yeah, in the long term, these guys own my records for the next mm. however long and I want those records to yeah. be successful. So if they want me you to... You scra- to be behind it. Exactly. <laughs> be- exactly, because it's, it's so easy yeah. as an artist to go in and go, well, you haven't done this, you haven't done that, you should be doing this, you should be doing yeah. that. And there's like, there's no shoulds or shouldn'ts. They now own the record. No, that's right. They don't have to do that's anything. Right. Yeah, it's, it's true. Um, you know, having good relationships with... I think it's always good just to be positive with everybody within the industry and just try not to burn, you know, any bridges and just be... Just treat a person the way that you would expect to be treated yourself. You know, I think that's that's definitely the key thing. Um, 
I've just realised the time, mate. I'm going to have to duck out. I've got a doctor's appointment at quarter past 11. That's great, man. It's amazing. But I would love to have just talked for hours with you. <laughs> no, it's good. because I think that's a really positive way to leave it as well. You know, it's just treat treat others in the industry as you wish to be treated yourself. I think that's the key thing, man. No, I love that as well, man. And I've been told that I have to keep these a bit shorter. So it's perfect. <laughs> oh, wait, if I didn't have to shoot, I would be talking to you until midday, man. Honestly, it's been, it's been an absolute pleasure man i really appreciate you having me on yeah mate thanks so much for coming on um how can people kind of get in touch with you and kind of get sending just music hit, hit, hit me up on the socials i'm always responding to left and cody instagram dms um cool. and if you're looking for an email to send me promos to hit me up on there and i will happily share that not Sick. promo those demos, demos sorry <laughs> um yeah, i absolutely. also including yourself by the way I... you need to send me some demos too <laughs> All right, mate. Keep safe. Catch you soon. Big love. Thank you. Thanks very Thank much, you, man. Take care. Peace. Bye. Bye-bye. And that is a wrap. Big love to everybody for coming on and listening. Please give us some reviews. Please subscribe. Big love to Chris for coming on. I really enjoyed that conversation. It was really, really insightful. Um, see you next time. Keep safe, people. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.